Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag college football. We found a way, and in this 2020, when so many teams are, hey, we can't play this or that, we found a way to do it, and to be able to live up to the billing was, was awesome. And uh, and I think, too, with them with them and the size difference, and there was all these little different things within the game that people wanted to see, can you hold up here, can you hold up there, and, and it all just worked out, and, and what a game and what an ending. That's Jimmy Chadwell, Coastal Carolina coach, talking about the BYU game with Doug Gottlieb yesterday. And, of course, the goal was for two teams that were having great seasons and one of them could win and elevate themselves. And the college football playoff rankings come out, PK, and they just like who they like and that's who they like. And it doesn't matter if you're undefeated or you have two losses. They're just going to rank you the way they want to. It doesn't matter at all, really. Wow, that's strong. It doesn't well, matter? No, it doesn't. I mean, wow. look, you're not Power 5. or you, If you're USC, you didn't play enough games. But if you're Ohio State, you did play enough games. No, and I don't think it's the I, I don't think that's it. I, what do you think I don't it is? Agree, I would agree with what they say, but I don't think it's – SC's not getting knocked because they didn't play enough games relative to Ohio State. I think they're getting knocked because of what they're calling game control. Ohio State, four of their five, they had complete and total game control. And SC needed literally last-second scores in three of their five. So they didn't have game control. It's not the number of games. The new emphasis has switched to game control, which we refer to as style points. I think that's where it's clear. Now, you can argue, and I have no problem with anyone arguing, wait a second here. And they're pointing to somebody like SC well, the teams they've played, look at their records. Well, yeah, what really list of realistically do you expect of an ASU club who plays and then goes a whole month without playing a second game against a team that was playing during that month? The Devils literally couldn't go into the facility for two weeks. So that's where the outrageousness comes, as far as I can see it. It's not about they each played the same amount of games. It's that... They change the parameters within the number of games. Well, how about then the fact that Coastal Carolina and Iowa State have a common opponent, and Coastal Carolina is 11-0 and won at Louisiana, and Iowa State's 8-2 and and lost at home to Louisiana by 17. Why is Iowa State six spots in front of Coastal Carolina? Because there's a clear P5 bias. I mean, I think that's if, – if, if you consider that breaking news – I'm surprised. Now, is that fair? I don't believe in fairness anyway, but is that right? Whatever word you want to substitute, no. So I absolutely have problems with all of that stuff. Yeah, Florida losing to a 4-5 and five LSU team and dropping once. That seems outrageous. So I'm with you on 95% of what you're saying Florida as far didn't as that have, goes. Yeah, Florida didn't have game control twice because they lost, but there's six spots in front of USC. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're comparing the Ohio State one. See, that, that that's where they open themselves up to all sorts of issues because you use this comparison. It's the same thing what we see with the, the two political parties. Well, you're a hypocrite because of this. 
well, you're a hypocrite because of this. And then you just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Once you introduce game control between Ohio State and SC, which they literally did, then, well, wait a second, what about game control over here? So it's a, a select applied rules here, but not there. And it's really outrageous. I think as far as BYU goes, unless they would have beat Coastal Carolina by 25, they weren't getting into a New Year's Day six bowl anyway. So that game, when you look at it, unless they were able to blow them out, which under the circumstances with a two-day notice flying across the country, you probably weren't going to be able to do. All right, the big news of college football today. You can sign the high school recruits. The early signing period in college football. National letters of intent. We're going to be getting commitments. Jacoby reading them off as they're posted this morning. And top quarterback in the States on ESPN making his announcement at 10.15 this morning. Originally committed to KUTV, but, you know, got a bigger name on another line. Oh, he blew you guys off? Gone. I don't blame him. I'd have been on ESPN, too, rather than talking sports. Well, you're never going to blame a high school kid. That would be way not politically correct for you. Right. Uh, so, I mean, obviously you're going to say that. You're not going to. There's no way you're going to get your hands dirty on that and say, what the hell are you doing, son? You made a commitment to us, and now you backed off. I mean, obviously you're going to say that. But there's something to be said for, wait a second, you made a commitment, but you got a, a better-looking girl to go to the dance, so now you're going to dump this guy over here. Yes. It, it's okay, D- David. You're only going to get more respect if you say it. You're not going to get less. People yeah, are not I'm not going to pick a fight with a high school kid, though. <laughs> not doing it. How did he break the news? What news? To, to you guys. Well, and you're well, obviously as far, the- I, I found out on Twitter. I saw the <laughs> announcement. Jackson Dart's going to be on ESPN. <laughs> This is your passive-aggressive. You're not going to pick a fight, but yet you bring it up. I did bring it up. This is what you do. (laughs) And then you you put it out there, and then you Deion Sanders backpedal as fast as you possibly can. And I I respect you for that. Thank you. You've made a a great living doing that because you are ripping the kid by, by bringing it up, but then you don't go and really, where I go over the line and just dive in head first into the pool of mud. You just come out of it with, you know, maybe your toes dirty. Yeah, I mess up my Nikes. <laughs> He's got. But a, at the end of the day, it averages out to a show. So there you go. Oh yeah, neither one of us are complaining. That's for sure. Yeah, he lists four schools, and I was told specifically uh, that he will not choose BYU. He, they. He's USC, not interested in what BYU has to offer. USC, UCLA, Arizona State, and BYU. Those and are the also four. Told logos ASU has no out. chance either. Not really, it's there for the because show because huh? it's the same deal with Kyle. You're going to go and hand off. And they're going to be defensive oriented. Uh, So the odds on obvious favorite is SC. I get that. But I'm I'm going to say, hold on. Wait, what? Don't eliminate Chip Kelly just yet. And then I asked someone, another one, who's in literally in the quarterback business. Is a kid big time. And the guy said, yes, but you never really know. Which is no knock on him. He's speaking generally, and if you look at it, that's... If you look at the NFL draft, that's true. Yeah, but this is not... I'm not asking, is he, is he big-time NFL? Right, but... I'm asking, is he big-time college? We'll worry about NFL in two or three years. If he's big-time, that'll take care of itself. But you never really know college. about quarterbacks when you try to project to the next level. College, high school to college, and then college to the NFL, you never really know. 
Yeah, I don't follow enough of high school to college to be able to uh, to say that. You know, if they're big in high school, because uh, I, I guess they you know, go by stats and all. And it's got a, kids got all that. So, be interesting to see how it plays out uh, down the line. We'll follow them for sure. Because there's been has there really been a big time high school kid who's had all sorts of stats go on and do much in college outside of Zach Wilson? Am I missing somebody? Jim McMahon way back when, I guess. Anybody else? I was thinking more along the lines of you hear quarterbacks ranked number one or number two in the country, and some of them pan out and some of them don't. Yeah, 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 I got you. That's why I I just think when you go to the next level, you know, you think you got something, but you don't really know for sure. Right. Sure. Uh, Michigan-Iowa canceled because of COVID concerns with Michigan. Indiana-Purdue also off. It had been pushed back a week, rescheduled, but it's not happening. And the there's been talk about moving the semifinal out of the Rose Bowl, but they've decided to go ahead and play there. I read a story that Clemson and Alabama didn't think it was a good idea. I mean, we really know who's running the show. Whatever you guys want, whatever. But it's just complicated. Where do you move it? Although if they go there, there's no guarantee they're going to allow anyone in the stadium, even players' families. And so I get why they're complaining. But is the Rose Bowl not going to have a game? Nobody else wants to switch with the Rose Bowl. No thanks. Not this year when you can't have fans. or You certainly can't have a full stadium. Maybe you can have a, a few thousand. I can't imagine another bowl game to be like, yeah, give us this year, please. It's not our turn. And it would be terrible, but let's volunteer for that. Oh, I would. I, if I'm the who gives a crap bowl in Oshkosh, Louisiana, I would say we'll play in a Rose Bowl. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Because there's way too many goats, you have to break it out into specific categories. Best winner of all time, person who's won the most championships, best player. You know, which involves talent and ability and what you did with it. Most talented player, you know. That'd probably be you. Best thrower of the football. Like, That's probably you. There's all these different mm-hmm. ways you can break that out. But when it comes to those, maybe not with AJ, but with most people, I'm probably in that conversation. Aaron Rodgers getting asked about being the GOAT. How do you really judge? Brady's got the most rings, but did someone else just not have the organization around him? It's awesome for Sports Talk Radio, PK. We can knock this around forever. Yeah, I, obviously you can. and that, that it's, it's always fun. There's no definitive answers. I always thought that if you got placed in the top five, that was plenty good enough. On the day you were born, if you would have told you, you'll, whatever you choose, you'll be in the top five of that, would you take that? You know, we go back and all these John Stockton homers, and I get it. I, they're, they're our bread and butter. And, oh, he's not, magic isn't pure because he's tall. <laughs> if you are in the top five, when the Jazz drafted John, they said he'll end up being top five. He'll end up leading, and it's not quite apples to apples because they didn't keep the assists and steals and all that stuff. Uh, but anyway, he'll end up leading those categories and be considered top five. Would you be happy with this draft pick? <laughs> Every time you would say yes. You know, there's all the kinds of quotes out there that he was, uh, you know, hey, how do I get to start? How do I stick in the league? That's where he was shooting early on. So, top five oh, yeah. all time. Far superseded yeah. any expectation he had for himself. I always said that's the way I consider it. If you are in the discussion and belong in the top five, then it's what's your preference, what's your fan base, what's your bias. And most people, I think, would put Stockton in top five, wouldn't they? 
I would think so. I got no problem with that. That to me, that's that's just awesome. That uh, that ends up with the type of career you had, which results in first ballot Hall of Fame. Although with every decade or every generation, however you want to slice it, you know, as another player emerges at that position, who's awesome, and that goes back to Aaron Rodgers and the goat. And you know, and so we can talk about well, Aaron Rodgers, but what about Tom Brady? But then if you go back a little bit, what about Joe Montana? And if you go back a little bit more, well, what about Bart Starr? What about Johnny Unitas? I mean, it's people of our parents' generation, like Johnny Unitas, no one will ever be that good. He was awesome. My father used to just say Johnny U. That's yeah. what he would refer to him as. And and if he played today, I have no doubt that he would be great because yeah. the rules are so much different and everything and training and all that. I don't really worry about it, but it is fun to discuss. Ronald Jones, Buccaneers running back, has a pin put in his fracture, fractured left pinky finger. It's unclear if he'll miss any time. He's currently fourth in the NFL in rushing yards, having a breakout year. Of course, we knew about him because we saw him at USC. (laughs) Not a big surprise he's really good in the pros. Uh, But can you imagine a pin in your left pinky and then you go out there and let 300-pound guys throw you around like a ragdoll? Yikes. Ragdoll! Carolina Panthers star running back Christian McCaffrey, doubtful to play against the Packers. That would mean five straight games he's missed and 11 of the last 12. Former Stanford guy. Not healthy this year. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to stay in Milwaukee. That's his city, PK. Five years, $228 million Supermax deal with the franchise. An opt-out after the fourth year of the deal. He's staying in Milwaukee. Cold weather, medium-sized market, flyover cities. Rejoice. There is hope. So we can put to bed uh, the state taxes and the cold weather and all the stuff that Callum Coward, whatever his name is, has tried to indoctrinate us in. Until the next one. Then obsess about it again. Well, the next one will be the following year. I mean, it's just the the way it is here. Yeah, a quarter of a billion dollars to play basketball. Wow, man, you're 26 years old. Man. That's just a, that's just a staggering amount of money, but dude, that's what he's going to get. We'll see if he ends up staying in Milwaukee. I mean, just because you sign something doesn't mean you're going to be there. He has an opt out after four years, which puts him at thirty. He'd still probably have several years that would be big time effective, or he can do what we've seen other guys do and basically demand their way out. But for now, it's a great day for the Milwaukee Bucks. Speaking of guys who've demanded their way out, Anthony Davis. LeBron James expected to make their preseason debuts. Lakers and Suns, they signed max extensions with the Lakers this offseason. They're the defending champs. And James Harden took the court for the first time in a 112-98 win over the Spurs. He did not make himself available to speak with reporters after the game. That's in violation of the NBA's media access rules and could subject him to a fine like Kyrie Irving. Uh, He was not in tip-top shape, PK. Looked like James Harden had gained a little weight in the offseason. What does Alema like to say? Burk! Well, you, we had that running back, Chubba Hubbard, now it's Chubba Harden. Yeah, I just imagine he would be fined. Like, it's not Kyrie Irving, it's World Be Flat. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. The Utes beat UVU 75-67. Utah improves to 3-1. UVU's 2-4. Timmy Allen leads away with 19 points. Got a little scary for the Utes there. Their double-digit lead was whittled down to one with a little more than three minutes to go. 
But at 68-67, they finished the game on a 7-0 run. Evan Cole, 31 points, 10 rebounds in the loss for the Wolverines. And he was a big part, not the only part, but a big part of that run that got it down to a one-point game. But they went away from the high pick and roll, and he didn't get easy looks at the rim at the end of the game. And Utah pulled away and won it. Yeah, my first with Evan Cole. I mean, thirty-one to ten in a forty-minute college game is just absolutely awesome. I mean, that's that's about as impressive as you're going to get. So, it looks good for him if he can continue that when they get into whack play. That's going to mean something very much for the Wolverines. Now he's that big grad transfer. I think uh, Mad Dog Matson announced that on our show, if I remember correctly. He did. Transfer from Georgia Tech, and wow, what a phenomenal game, Carlson, the big guy for. The Utes, I can just channel Majerus. And he had a nice scoring game. And he's just a young kid. He's got potential. But two boards. He had only he had only two more boards than a dead man, Majerus you know, <laughs> would say. Uh, I think for the Utes, you know, we use that baseball analogy. They, they just need some more ABs. They need to get out on the court and play some more games. They'll get better just simply by playing games. So it was good that they actually got to play a game, you know, just their fourth game here in the middle of December. After the BYU game, Larry Kristovac was talking about the rebounding advantage BYU had, and, and the Utes have got to rebound better. And, of course, obviously, if you watch Larry play in the NBA and play with the Jazz, this is going to hit, you know, hit him where he lives because that's a big chunk of what he did in the NBA. And, and the numbers were out of whack uh, at BYU. It's hard to win when you get out-rebounded the way they did, and they got out-rebounded by UVU, 28-23. So a little closer, but it's... It's clear they're struggling with uh, good big guys. Right, and that's why Luke Carlson only had two boards. Yep. Uh, Utah State rescheduling games. They're going to play Northern Colorado Friday in Logan after they had their game against Dixie State canceled last night due to lingering COVID concerns. Uh, they had the game with Weber State over the weekend canceled, so be more than a week, but they're looking to get back out on the court Friday, and the Utes will be out on the court Friday. They've got uh, Idaho coming up Friday. DJ and PK, that is what is trending. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst and former Cougar linebacker, is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Kyle Whittingham, signing day press conference at 830. We're going to learn who the youths are landing, and he'll talk about some of those guys. Stay with us. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Get 0% financing for up to 72 months plus a $2,500 purchase allowance on a new 2021 XT4, XT5, or XT6. Shop your way at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Multiple questions for you this morning, but let's start with the one that PK wrote about in the last 24 hours, and it's Gotten a lot of comments, about uh, 40 of them here on our Facebook page. Should BYU extend Kalani Sataki and include a raise? Big season. Pay the coach, PK. 
That's the question. And the answer is, well, if you want to hold on to them, because that's how other schools do it. And if you don't, uh, you're risking losing your coach. And that doesn't just apply to BYU. That applies to everyone. So if you want to be a Power 5 school, play a Power 5 schedule, be Power 5 teams, uh, you better pay your coach who does it like other coaches who do it or you're going to lose them. Seems well, simple. You can pay them all you want, and you can still lose them. Those th- those guys get out of contracts a lot of times before the ink is dry. So there's no guarantee that you can throw as much money in, in the world as you want at him that he's going to stay. I mean, they the contract is obviously, as we know, easily and often breakable. So just simply paying him and extending him guarantees nothing. If he's intent on going, they're going to let him out. Uh, so we got to make sure that uh, we say that. At the same time there, I was looking, uh, doing some research on the uh, Arizona job because his name has been floated out there, and I've spoke to folks uh, about this, about, and I don't know that they'll offer him. You know, the San Jose guy uh, has some experience working under Tomei, and Tomei is the legend at the U of A, interestingly, he was forced out, and we realize now in retrospect, wow, that was pretty good when he was there. Uh, but nevertheless, he did work under Tomei, so he's somewhat of a favorite. He's had the huge season at San Jose, only six games, uh, but San Jose, if you win at San Jose, that's like uh, figuring, well, you can win anywhere, I guess, uh, is the line of thinking there. So I don't know that Kalani would get that job, but I have spoken to folks who believe that he could be in contention if he wants to, and they were talking about the pay for Arizona, and they were saying that it would be along the uh, entry level, uh, 2.5 to $3 million. An entry level is what they used, entry level Power 5. Well, I mean, I don't know that Kalani's making $3 million bucks at uh, BYU. So, you know, they... They go to the point of actually taking pride of being cheap, which I always find that so bizarre. Like, it's, it, it's a source of pride that we underpay our people. I mean, it doesn't really make any sense to me, but that's – there's the, the BYU way, and a lot of things that the BYU way does is seems somewhat backwards, and then if you criticize them about it, well, it's because you're a hater. Uh, and Samuelson stood up in the Cougar room and said, we hope you understand, but don't really care if you don't. I mean, that's almost a quote. If not exactly, it is within line of the intent that he meant, which I thought that was extremely arrogant. And if you criticize, you're the problem. You're a hater. So that's the way they do things here. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have to do something, show them some form of love, because this is an awful time to want to rebuild and reload and, I, you know, Jay Hill's out there, and so he would be, in my mind, a logical candidate if uh, Kalani were to leave. But other than that, I don't know who else you have that would be a strong, strong candidate. And you'd be starting from scratch again. And, you know, I, t- I said yesterday that somebody was telling me about, you know, Kalani in his fifth year has really worked himself into an outstanding head coach. And it takes time because if you haven't done it, you need the time to, to sharpen your skills at it. And we talked about how Bronco said he had no clue that first year. Well, Kalani has all sorts of clues now. And so it would stink if they have to reload. So long-winded way of saying, yeah, they got to do something, it looks like. I know they did something last year. And because they're a private school, uh, you don't necessarily know the terms, the bonuses, uh, you know, the money that's out there. But 
he's five years in now. He's having his best year. And you can see the trend in the arc. So does he come out of this with four years and pretty good money? I mean, do you know specifically what they gave him last year when they gave him a contract extension? Yeah. I do not know. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know either. So it's a little hard to say, hey, he needs to get this much more if you don't know what the base is. But he ought to be sitting there with four years and a pretty good number. You would think if they make it, if they open the door and make it, uh, you know, where the the salaries and the years are apples to oranges, that could be a problem. And you're right. If somebody wants to leave to go to a job, but often, uh, not always, though, because Urban just went to Florida and he had no ties there. Um, you know, often that you really get hit when someone's going home. Now, he's, you know, lived in Utah a long time and he played at the Y. So maybe some of that is mitigated. I, no, I do think you're, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think Urban home is planet Earth. <laughs> right. Uh, and so he was, he's just looking, and, and I've got no problem with what Urban did, but you can see Urban is wired differently. Yeah. And it didn't matter where he went because he's not a Buckeye. He's not a Gator. He's not a Ute. He's an Urban and Shelly Meyer. Well, he kind of shows his cards there, and I know there are people who say, well, he is a Buckeye because he was an assistant coach there. And okay, well, he played at Cincinnati. But when he put the outs in the Utah contract that said Michigan, Ohio State, and Notre Dame, he just wanted to be in an awesome program in the upper Midwest. I mean, that's what those three schools are. Right. Uh, he's the exception. And uh, the rest of them, I've, and this is, this is in my personal wheelhouse bias, I believe... If you have an opportunity in a lot of these places, if you can get somebody that's homegrown, it really matters. And Arizona is going through this now. Makovic, uh, not homegrown. Stoops, uh, not homegrown. Sumlin, I'm missing somebody else. Not homegrown. Who else am I missing? Uh, Richrod, right? None of those guys. And as I understand it, Arizona today, they're supposed to literally today having a Zoom call with all high-profile ex-Arizona football players to make a push to get this thing right. Because obviously it has not been right for a number of years, basically since Tomei left. They've had a time or two. Rich Rod, brilliant offensive mind, and he did did well uh, under the circumstances. If you look at it and, and put it in context, you know, they weren't as bad as they are now. And so this idea of getting these retreads out there and bringing them in because they have a big name and they have no connection, they have no idea what the Tucson community, what the U of A is about, and how uh, I was listening to Brock Heward yesterday uh, on a national program, and he, he, he's done college, he's doing NFL now, uh, but he, and he also does a, a satellite spiel every day. And he was talking about the Arizona job, and he was saying, you know, it's known as a basketball and a fast-pitch school. Fast-pitch softball. Well, if you had any connection to Arizona, you would know. He's absolutely right. Obviously, basketball. Everybody knows basketball. But the fact that when I was working at the Casa Grande Dispatch, they had Central Arizona was the junior college. And it was uh, halfway between Coolidge and Casa Grande, two dink towns on the way to Tucson, right? And they put it centrally located. Well, their their coach there in softball was a guy named Nick Candrea, 
who went to Arizona afterward and has become the uh, U.S. Olympic softball coach and blah, blah, blah. They put so much emphasis into that. That's what they're about. And so you've got to find a way to negotiate how to do it. And if you don't have any idea, how are you going to do it? So the point being, if you have somebody who's homegrown, take care of him if he's being successful. Seems logical and to the point. Do how the many peop- homegrown guys leave? Uh, that would probably depend on uh, where you're homegrown from. I mean, it's easier to leave. <laughs> well, if you're homegrown and you're at a G5, guys might leave. You know, you really went in and you go on to a Power 5. To an extent, if, like if Matt Wells was somewhat homegrown, right. but was, not to the level where Kalani was homegrown. Uh, they both played at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt was there longer because he'd been an assistant coach. But he's from Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. He's an Oklahoma native, but he was an assistant coach before becoming the head coach. The, the assistant coach thing, I, I, I don't think he just had a – but I have to be careful how I say this. I don't think he had a passion to be an assistant coach at Utah State. I think it just worked out. He had a connection, maybe more than a passion. Yeah, and then he was next in line. So I don't, I don't, I don't think for him his passion was to be the head coach at Utah State. He wanted to be a coach, and going to your alma mater is a good way to get your foot in the door. Well, he had been other places, mm-hmm. and it it worked out. Uh, and there, there's something to be said for that. He's still, at the same time, he just two years ago, they were 11-2, and two, <laughs> right? So that's a, you'll, I would think most folks in Logan would take 11-2, and two, as I would think most folks in Provo would take 11-2. and two. I know I would take 11-2 and two in Tempe and speak from, from my fan perspective that I would. So I just think that if you get a homegrown guy, uh, maybe there's uh, you don't you don't want to go on the cheap, but maybe there's there's more reasons than beyond the obvious for them to stay. And I don't even I don't even consider Bronco being totally homegrown, even though he was close. But he certainly had no passion for BYU. Well, the missing element is he didn't play there. You know, he grew up in the area, so there's that. I mean, literally homegrown. Uh, but he didn't play at BYU, and I think when you play somewhere, obviously that's going to create another level, uh, another tie, another level of loyalty, if that's even an expression. Well, yes, and he also lived, at least in the extended community, for almost his entire life his once brother, he got to Provo. Yeah, his brother played for BYU. He went to Oregon State because mm-hmm. they happened to have the Cougars on the schedule out of junior college. Bronco? Yeah, yeah I mean, of he, was over, he was he was uh, not recruited by them twice, yeah, coming correct. out of high school and Snow College. When he left uh, around 20, he was gone for 20 years, basically, I think 18, before he came back. All those years coaching so, in New Mexico. Yeah, and uh, different, uh, different places. He coached in northern Arizona uh, and other places uh, as he made his mark in coaching. So you got somebody here, and 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 I really believe the the ex players rally around him and want him to be. 
It'd be interesting to see what is said. I would love to be able to tap into that Zoom call today when the likes of Teddy Bruschi, <laughs> when who, they, I, who I understand <laughs> is supposed to be on that call. When they start you know, saying what they think about Arizona football and the way it's been run and the way it needs yes. to be run. And they speak honestly and openly. I guess the thing I'd have uh, to know about Arizona that we're better about knowing about, you know, the Utes and the Cougars and the Aggies because we're here. You can't just give it to an alum. You know, how many many ex-Arizona players have gone out, be the graduate assistant, uh, be an analyst, Get a coaching the, gig, uh, move the around. Defensive coordinator for Oregon is the is the, is a leading candidate. He's one. Yeah, it's a Polynesian guy. Uh, look up his name. It begins with M. And he was a great Wildcat. Interestingly, the you talking about Joe Salavea? Yes, I am. Uh, uh, interestingly, Arizona State has one on their staff, Antonio Pierce. He's a Wildcat. <laughs> And uh, he's thought to be potentially next in line. Coach in waiting is Herm, I think, is 66, 67 years of age. Uh, and so there's a lot of folks speculating, will Antonio Pierce be on this call? <laughs> Can you let an ASU defensive coordinator in? He's the DC? He's co with Marvin. Oh, okay. Marvin Lewis. Uh, and, and, but <laughs> there's a little conflict he, of interest there. He's the number one recruiter. He's because they've set it up pro model. He's basically they don't call it that because it would just they get scorned and mocked. But he's director of player personnel too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and they've got a bunch of guys. But he's you know coach at Long Beach Poly, which has been a power for gosh when I was there, it was a big time school and it still is. Uh, so, but he's an ex-Wildcat, and there's some speculation. Would he be on that call? My guess would be no, uh, but you know, there's a lot of folks, and, you know, the U of A's had a bunch of guys over the years. Uh, they don't necessarily want – I'm not saying you need to hire one of those dudes who, you know, there's talk of bring, bring Brewski back because he's high profile and he's beloved and, and he's, he knows football, you know, it's – it's the Steve Kerr thing out of the broadcast booth into the uh, on the coaching sidelines. Yeah, well, if you have Steph Curry and and all these guys, and not not to take away from what Steve Kerr's done because it's about results and he's gotten results. Uh, but you know, there's there's talk of that because they see how Steve did at the pro level, and he was everybody's buddy, you know, and got along so well. And there he comes from a high profile, visible position to uh, the coaching ranks. And Brewski, you know, Steve Kerr won a bunch of titles. Well, Brewski paid for the, played for the Patriots, so would he be interested? If I was Teddy B, I would say, man, no, you don't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Because <laughs> you got to have a grinder, you know. It doesn't really matter if you're a big name. you got to have someone who's going to grind. They're talking about whoever they have for the first two or three years is going to have to be working 80 hours a week. Would Brewski want to do that? <laughs> No. <laughs> I think it's a bad idea. It's a yeah. bad idea for the school to offer it. They'll regret it, and it'd be a bad idea for him to take it. If you, if you want to be a college football head coach, I think you got to get in there, and we're always going to go back to that Morgan Scally quote, right, about 5.30 in the morning in the building. There's so many details. There's so many things to manage. Ask Kyle about that sometime. Boy, he will uh, he'll give you chapter and verse, man. That is a long list. And, we'll but if you're going to be good. Tomorrow. 
Yeah, but it, right. <laughs> if you're going to be good, that's uh, that's what you got to do. Yeah, and especially at BYU, where you have to negotiate a whole bunch of other crap, uh, and you have to you have to be comfortable in your own celebrity. Bronco never was. That that this is just a fact. Okay, so he then, didn't like you going don't... out and having to be mobbed at all times. Okay, but he had a long run, and he he had a long run and won a lot, so you don't have to be. It would be better if you were. Uh, I get that. I think that's part of the reason why he left. Sure, but if you get eight to ten years, I mean, Arizona's to the point where if you got eight to ten years, or BYU, anytime you hire a coach, if you know you're going to get eight to ten years, how long did Bronco to go? go? I got to do the math on this. He was a. How long was Bronco the head coach? Yeah, it was ten years. It was ten years. Okay, ten seasons. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get a ten year run like Bronco when you hire a coach, I would think that most ads. Uh, GM if you're a pro, but AD if you're a, a college, you think, okay, that's a good hire. I'll do it. And at the, at the same time, he had somewhat of an adver- adversarial relationship. It wasn't like it was yeah. Roger Reed with the fan base, but... No, we remember Kalani, moments. We remember yeah, moments. Right, yeah. and they're high profile. Yeah. And Kalani is everyone, everyone's friend. You talk about being comfortable and authentic in your own skin, he's the epitome of it. Right? He makes you feel like, wow, man, this guy, I'm his friend. I don't care who it is. It's just the way he, he does it. I mean, way back when, we're going back 20 years now, when I first got to know him. Wow, man, this guy's, and his wife at uh, 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 football games at the U. I'd come out of the interview room, and she'd be right there. Oh, I love watching you on television. You're so this. You're funny. Wow, what a nice lady. (laughs) (laughs) They're recruiting you. Well, that's just the way. And they weren't doing it to try to get anything from me. It's just who they are. And so you got somebody who knows. And and if I can even tell you half of the stuff that I know, uh, about stuff that he's had to deal with and how he's done it in such a manner that is great. I just don't think that they can afford to lose him. It's not to say the program wouldn't go on without him. Because, I mean, come on. I mean, I, have, I like to think I'm real important in my job here. But let's face it. The day I leave, the next day, somebody's going to be doing it. But that's, you know? that's everybody in every job. I, I know. Anybody, I, so anybody in any job, right. the world will keep spinning and someone else will try to figure out how to do that job. But to, your, will. but to your point about Arizona, just because other people try to figure it out, they may not figure it out in the long run. And it can be two steps back and only one step forward. Nobody really knows. I mean, that's you know part of the nightmare of being a boss. And Chris Hill used to always tell us, you know, being the boss up at the U for all those years and knowing that you were in the Mountain West for most of them, uh, that you weren't going to pay the most. Well, if my coach wins, I better have a list of replacements because someone might hire him away. If my coach doesn't win, I better have a list of replacements because I might have to fire him. So you always have to figure that stuff out. I think your point about BYU, why would you rebuild it if you didn't have to? Why not reward someone who has done the job and done it well. Yeah. Everything hasn't gone perfectly there for five years. But we can also go back in history and recount some pretty ugly stuff that no school wants to be associated with. 
especially BYU, especially a religious school, but no public school would want to be associated with it either. And he's avoided that. If he hasn't, we haven't heard about it. So, you know, they've largely done the stuff right off the field. They've largely done it right on the field. You know, the second year was horrible, uh, but they made massive changes and they got out of that hole. And we, whenever coaches win right away, it doesn't matter if you win or lose right away. It's always what you're doing with other guys' players. You know, if you're urban and you win in the first year or two, you, oh, well, he's doing it with max guys. You know, can you do it with your own guys? If you lose right away, well, the pressure's on. He'd better start winning. Well, now, five years in, and obviously, not for all the players, but for a lot of them, there's that two-year delay building a program because they go on a mission. Yeah. So for some of these guys, and they have been able, and I don't know how he's negotiated this, you know, it blows the mind of other BYU coaches in other eras, but he's been able to bring in some grad transfers who've helped, uh, and not all the players have gone on missions, clearly. I mean, they got stars right now who didn't. But they have a lot of guys who do. So for some of these guys... It's really the third year building the program, you know. They've, but regardless of that, whether they didn't didn't go, this last three year arc when he's had his own staff and he's been developing guys he recruited, you know, from the ground up, it's gone pretty well. You know, the seven and six was frustrating because they blew some winnable games, but they won some games they could have easily lost. And BYU fans crave high profile wins. Well, you beat USC at home. What more do you want? I mean, that's, oh, we are the champions. That's blasting. pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> if Utah BYU fans who can't agree on anything can agree on one thing, it's like, hey, getting USF, USC up here and beating them, that's pretty cool. Michigan? Or not uh, Michigan State. Michigan State. Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. There's other. Going to Tennessee. You know, yeah. there, there's, there's cool wins out there, you know. And, and you don't win all of them because you wish you'd won that Coastal Carolina game. I get that. But everybody's chasing winning all of them all the time. And you rarely get it done. When it's done this year, they'll be, uh, what do you think, we're going to end up with uh, three undefeated, four, uh, we guess we could end up with four, but we won't. USC, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, will they fall? And then obviously the playoff will yeah, take those top teams down to one. Six games, I don't consider you undefeated. Yeah, right, exactly. And that's a good uh, point, too. You know, it's not, this isn't going 12 and 0, 13 and 0 with a conference title game. And this could lead us in the next segment if you want, but I am more convinced today that if BYU beat Coastal Carolina as far as their bowl game, barely make any difference. Somebody might have hopped them. I mean, we can all sit here and say, well, these teams lost, so they would have moved up. Or you know? they wouldn't have hopped. Yeah. They were, already up, <clears throat> they were already up to 13, but Cincinnati's like, why are we ninth? Why are we dropping? Because you haven't played since November. As if it's their own fault. I know, right? <clears throat> and uh, who was the example? There wasn't. I read a thing last night. Somebody's only played one game in like four weeks, and they didn't get drilled the way Cincinnati did. They didn't get held accountable. I can try to figure it out. You're talking about Ohio State? <clears throat> Maybe it was a Ohio State. A Power 5 program, of course. It was a Power 5, yeah. All right, DJ and PK, still to come. David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, former Cougar linebacker. At 8 o'clock, we got a uh, question of the day for the Jazz as well. Frank Dolce. When is Frank? 9 o'clock. Frank Dolce is coming up at 9 o'clock for you Ute fans. Uh, Kyle Whittingham is tomorrow, not today. Our bad. Kyle Whittingham tomorrow at 8.30. And as, uh, as the letters come in, the letters of intent come in, Yak will let us know. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. John Hartwell, Athletic Director at Utah State, with Gary Anderson no longer the head coach. A nationwide search. What was it about Blake Anderson that jumped out at you? Blake, his experience at Arkansas State, you know, a seven-year body of work, and he talked in his press conference. He said, you know, four and seven this year, but you look at his body of work, you know, the previous six years, all six years that he had been there as a head coach, bowl games every year, won at least seven games, two conference championships, lost in another conference championship. So a proven record of success as a head coach, that was obviously very attractive to us, but I think he will fit very well in Cache Valley with his work ethic and, you know, I I just, I think he's going to be outstanding. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. You know how you accuse me of having an uncomfortable and unhealthy fixation with the cast from Saved by the Bell? Yes. Yes, I was I was a creepy old man, (laughs) right? though they're like 10 years older. Yeah. Well, I reject that assertion. But if you want to apply it to Taylor Smith's Swift, I'm guilty. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Yak. I thought all along this is Yak. What are you doing? You no. got some obsession. I do. I'm guilty there. That is creepy and unhealthy. <laughs> Why do you, I? I don't even know if I want to ask this. Why do you have an obsession with Taylor Swift? Her voice is really good. Yes, it is. Then, That's a fact. Watching those award shows that they would have, music shows, and they got like 9,000 of them, she was always on the front row, whether it was rap, whether it was country, any genre, she's singing and knows every word and dancing in the front row at all times. And it just... I don't watch watch a lot of those, but I watch enough of them to know that's 100% true. So I have an unhealthy fixation with Taylor Swift. (laughs) Saved by the Bell, no, because I'm not that much older than them. Uh, but her, yes. And and you know it's unhealthy when I'm even willing to accept the fact that she's a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got multiple questions of the day. Uh, I said yesterday... Watching the uh, the Jazz and the Suns, and not because of what was happening in a preseason game, but more the reps of the players, their career, watching them on the court. The Jazz have seven players they can count on on offense, unless one of the guys who's 30 you know, has some major drop-off. But as they sit here right now, seven guys. Now, some of those guys are you know, Favors and Gobert. You count on them to roll to the hoop and dunk. But they, they have to be accounted for. You can't leave them unaccounted for. And... Do you agree? Or do you have doubts about some of their top seven on offense? There's, there's still guys on the floor who are a little iffy. I go back and, you know, like Jay Crowder could get hot and have a game, have a quarter, just light it up. But also, 
you knew in the end he was probably going to shoot 33, 34% from three. So if he hit three in a row, well, there were six out there that weren't going in. So I never felt like I could 100% count on him. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier or uh, Ed Davis in the rotation. Couldn't, couldn't 100% count on them. You can go and list other guys, too. Those are just three to come to me off the top of my head. Do you agree? Are you buying it? And PK, are you buying it? Or is this a great chance to pick a fight with me and you're ready to go? I don't buy. That's way too many. If they have seven guys you can count on offensively, given that they got the best rim protector, that's a number two seed. And I can't say that they are a number two seed. I well, just that, can't put them at that level. That assumes that uh, the, the problem with uh, counting on your depth is that it can be matched by a dominant star. Jazz have a dominant star. That, to me, is something that we can debate more than what? their depth. Is, is Donovan better than Kawhi Leonard? Let's put the Lakers as number one. They're the defending champs. Okay, they're one. Okay, wait, wait a second here. So, Is it Mitchell versus Kawhi, or is it Mitchell versus dominant star? Well, I think the Clippers' dominant star is Kawhi. So I, be, I understand that. Right. But if you're a dominant star, the other guy can have a dominant star, too. And you sort of cancel each other out. If you're asking me right now, who am I taking, Mitchell or Leonard? I'm taking Mitchell. Because watching that Denver playoff series, that's where the dominant stars, you know, when they're both going for 50, they're essentially canceling each other out. Or certainly in the fourth quarter, even if one guy, I'd have to go back and look at the box scores. If one guy's 53 and the other guy's 38 or whatever. But at the end of the game, they're trading bucket for bucket. You can lose there. Is Donovan still... I, I, I just can't count on Donovan doing what he did in the bubble. The numbers were outrageous. I don't think you have to. Because the other seven guys are going to be good enough and carry the load and spread it around. And I, they're I not going to they, have I, big lulls and give up big runs when Donovan's off the floor and some combination of bench players is out there. I don't think they have seven guys I can count on offensively game, game to game. I just, I just don't. I think that's Who do you count on on the roster, game to game? I count on Gobert, but not necessarily offensively. Well, because all I'm asking him to do is dunk offensively. Yeah, but if you count on Gobert offensively, that means you have to count on somebody else to get him the ball. And I don't know who I can count on to get him the ball every night. Plus... If somebody goes in and just says, we are not going to allow Gobert any dunks, they can take that away. Right. I think Donovan can still get his. You're not stopping Donovan Mitchell. So if you decide, I think you can take away any of these guys. But the thing is, the cost of taking them away opens up something for somebody else, and that guy can make the shot. And then who do I count on from that somebody else? Bogdanovich and Clarkson. That's about it. Then you don't count on Joe to make open shots because they'll pass him up. That's one. There's yeah. That that's as good a reason as any. Yeah. That's not in his DNA. I mean, he can make open shots, obviously, but he's he's a great facilitator. In that first preseason game, he had seven assists. For what he is supposed to do, he does it very well. But, but there, can I count on him scoring? But there will be times when they take away other people and say, 
Joe's going to have to beat us making shots. Ex- is Joe going to be willing to take those six He'll or eight or ten shots? shots. Y- yeah, uh, but, uh, I think we all think he's passed on open shots, and then we bring it up with him when he's on, and then he tells us what morons we are. If he's driving around listening to us right now, he's like, he's nodding going, you're right, DJ, you are a moron, and I will come on and tell you again. Right, so that's his DNA, and that's, he's 32, 33 years old. It's not changing. All right. I get it. I accept yeah. it. I have no problem with it. This is something we will debate going forward. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst and former Cougar linebacker, is going to join us next. Stay with us.